allow me to introduce myself. My name is The Sportzilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, ESPN Utica Rome, now on 96.5 FM. Thank you so much for coming to Utica. You guys are Hansons. Who are you? Well, I'm from Utica, and I've never heard anyone use the phrase Sportzilla Show. It's an Utica expression. Rain man, good to go. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm good, Rain. I'm good. Thanks for doing this today. No problem. I'll have an English muffin if you got one. What's that? No, go ahead. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh-huh. The Sportzilla Show starts now. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. Well, I believe it's the start of Mardi Gras. First of all, the NHL trade deadline officially passed, which means you're going to see some stuff trickling out over the next hour or so. NHL trade deadline. Things are going to start to trickle in, which is fantastic for us because we got a lot to get to today, including something on the trade deadline. Give me 10 seconds and I'll tell you what that is, because Jerry McNamara will join us as he does every Monday, courtesy of Drivers Village and Empower Federal Credit Union. So we'll break that down at about 3.30. But that brings me right to the trade deadline and a, a, just a perfect guy to talk about with this. Let's welcome the voice of the Los Angeles Kings, Alex Faust, onto the phone today. A good friend from back in the day. Not only uh, at one point was he the voice of, was it Northeastern basketball, Alex? Yeah, Northeastern basketball, Northeastern hockey at one point. But uh, Jack of many trades, I guess. Uh, also, some tennis, the Australian Open recently. What else are you calling besides Los Angeles Kings hockey and rumored to be the next Alex Trebek? Well, you know, I was thinking of uh, picking up <laughs> cornhole on my uh, off day, but uh, I, I was advised by uh, by some folks of the team, you know, you probably should, should take time off of work. And so, you know what, I'll, I'll oblige. So basically, let me give you a little bit of a background here. Alex Faust is a good friend. We go back a number of years now because at one point he was also a voice of the Utica Comets here in Central New York calling AHL hockey games in and around the same time as Brendan Burke. Give us a recollection of Syracuse Crunch Utica Comets memories right off the top of your head. Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite memories just from from my time in Utica was that game at the Carrier Dome uh, that those two teams played, and I, I was lucky enough to be on the call for that. And on the call on television in central New York was Dan Duva, who remains a good friend of mine and is now the radio voice of the Vegas golden Knights. So it's always fun to catch up with him. So between me and Dan and Brendan, uh, Doug Plagans, who's the radio voice of the Panthers, uh, we've got, and, and, uh, Derek Wills, the radio voice of the flames. And we, we have so many guys from one era in time, you know, from a five, six year span who all worked in the AHL at the same time. It's all, it's awesome to catch up with these guys in, in the league as we go. How about that saucer pass all yeah, over the yeah, place, Scoop? Yeah. Go. Alex, I imagine when you were at Northeastern, never in your wildest imaginations would you have thought you were going to share the mic with Snoop Dogg. Not once, but it's twice now, right? <laughs> a, a, king, a king's call with Snoop. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a, well, that's, that's L.A. for you, right? <laughs> it perfectly encapsulates Los Angeles. Um, and... and yeah, he obviously he's a LA native. Uh, grew up in Long Beach, but uh, yeah, that's always a, a fun experience, and and I think uh, speaks to you know how much fun we like to have out here and just try try different things, shake things up, and uh, you know not be afraid to to let loose a little bit on our shows. Hockey can be kind of a stuffy environment at times, but uh, but when we're able to have fun, it, it really uh, lets us just just relax a bit. Alex Faust is the voice of the Los Angeles Kings here with us on the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.
Alex, let me just give everybody uh, a little snippet here of Snoop on a broadcast with you guys. Snoopadelic. I'm good, baby. Thank y'all for having me. I love L.A. I mean, this is my city, baby. It loves me like I love L.A. Man, go hard, man. Play like it's your last game, and have fun while you out there. Oh, he tried. Uh-oh, watch out for the way to Ocon. Hold on, quick. Get that out of there. Play that deep, quick. I like those masks when they be putting all that fly stuff on the top yeah. of them. That may be the next thing. Let me design the mask for the goalies. We ain't having that, Logan. Get up out of here with all that. We need that. I need it about your cookies. We call that cookies. When you take it from the cookies. Don't play with it. Lay on it. Lay on it so you can stay on it, and we can play on it. Let's lock up. Let's lock up. Lock it down. Lock him up. Oh, good move. He shook him up. He yeah, broke he his ankles. A little ankle breaker there, Ooh, huh? that was cold. Yeah, you, see that, you see that move in the play right quite a bit. He crossed him over, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they had to cross over on this. He yeah. crossed him over. Yeah. Ooh, that was nice. Ain't nothing like being at the Kings hockey game. This is, this is phenomenal. Alex, have you thought about you and Jim expanding this to a three-person booth from now on? <laughs> No. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Very, put, 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 put bluntly, no. And, uh, it's fun to do. Uh, and, and you know, he actually got a contract, from what I understand, after we did this thing last year to work with EA Sports on their video game. I auditioned for the gig at EA Sports a couple of years ago to do the game, and Snoop got it uh, before I did. So that was kind of funny to see him. But he, but he's, he's great. He's an awesome character. He, he's really uh, – uh, a huge proponent of youth sports. We talked a lot with him about that on on the program as well. Um, but loves hockey. You know, he's, he wears the jersey of whatever team gives them a jersey uh, that night in the arena. But uh, he's just he's a big fan of the game. It, probably perfect encapsulation of a casual fan of hockey. Loves the action. Loves the sport. Probably couldn't tell you all the intricacies about it, but loves it just the same. And and we love him for that. Alex, uh, we've just passed the trade deadline. We can start with the Toffoli trade. Uh, we can go from there. Uh, Scoop, uh, obviously a lot of moving parts right now. It's going to affect not just the NHL rosters, but the AHL rosters. And one specifically could even be the Utica Comets that Alex had called games for at one point. Yeah, and I imagine your your phone is probably going to be buzzing and vibrating as, as you do this interview because of all these bits of breaking news from the NHL. But Talk a little bit about Tyler Toffoli and the Kings so far this season. Yeah, you know, the Kings have had a disappointing season. I think from the beginning of the year, they telegraphed that if things didn't go well for them, they would be big-time sellers of the trade deadline, and they lived up to it. They traded not only Toffoli, they traded Kyle Clifford and Jack Campbell to Toronto. Campbell is the backup there now. He might be the number one, given what happened with that Zamboni driver the other night. Um, but the the whole situation with... <laughs> Uh, the Kings is just, you know, they're trying to get assets for the future. They're an older team. They need to get younger. They need to get faster. And r- let's be clear, even in their situation with all the draft picks that they had, they, they really don't have a number one superstar waiting in the wings just yet. I think this draft is going to be super key for them. Uh, and they're hoping that a couple of lottery balls fall their way. But you talk about uh, Vancouver and the Tafoli situation uh, and even the trickle-down effect with Utica. I know Michael Furlan had a little con- conditioning stint down there um but it like his his injury situation hasn't improved very much and i think vancouver is looking to take some of those assets that they've stockpiled through their farm system we've heard for years how jim benning has has really worked together a strong farm system uh, and it's paid off in spades with with the guys they've been able to call up to vancouver uh, and and make a strong team i mean that's a team that might win the division now and you can thank a lot of the work that travis green leading the foundation utica uh, and what he's been able to pass on to that current coaching staff and how the Canucks have really been committed to Utica as a market. I know out here, 
you know, we have so many uh, Western teams now in the AHL, but Vancouver has remained committed to that Utica market. And I think it speaks to, to how strong the fan base here and how uh, committed they are locally to, to making it work. Even out there on the West Coast, uh, of course, we're in, we're in the Syracuse market, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning's farm team, the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, that is a team that has been playing back to playing basically what they were and how they were last year, playing some great hockey lately. I know you've paid attention to that. Uh, comment on that, and of course, just overall, uh, what you're noticing as the trade deadline is just settling in and just having passed. Well, the Metropolitan Division, uh, a lot of activity there. The Devils uh, sending Wayne Simmons out of there. Um, they also traded Sammy Votman today. The Rangers re-signed Chris Kreider. That was, and I know there are a ton of Ranger fans uh, in Central New York. Yep. I think that's a big sigh of relief. And honestly, uh, going into the day, I was. I would have been shocked if they traded him. I know that all the talk was, well, they got to move him. They're not sure if they're a playoff team. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, they were so close. It would send the wrong message to the guys in that room that they're going to trade away one of their best players and one of their best leaders just because they're going to fall a couple points shy of the playoffs. I think it sends a huge statement from John Davidson that he believes in that group and can commit to them for the long haul. It wasn't easy. It came down to the wire. But you saw how the Rangers, for the most part, stood pat at the trade deadline. I know there's a late rumor that they were going to move Brady Shea, but um, so far I haven't seen a trade call put in uh, on Shea just yet. I've been watching, I'm sure, as you guys have uh, TSN and Sportsnet to try to keep up with all of it. But uh, as of yet, it seems like the Rangers pretty much held pat. And uh, obviously the the scary news of the uh, the car crash earlier today yeah. uh, involving uh, Shesterkin and, and Buchnevich, I, I, I wonder how much of an impact that would have had and whether they could have moved uh, Georgiev and whether that was part of their plans initially. Yeah, I absolutely was wondering the same thing. I was a little bit shocked when I read that their press conference was at 11 o'clock Eastern this morning with John Davidson. Sports Hilly Show ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. We have Alex Faust on the phone. He is play-by-play and voice and a good friend, formerly uh, calling games for the Utica Comets and against the Syracuse Crunch. L.A. Kings brings up a city. Uh, of course, the Staples Center was in memoriam of Kobe Bryant today. It's a very heavy, heavy heart for a lot of people in Los Angeles. I'm sure you'll have comments on that uh, when you get back on the air. The next game is against Pittsburgh. So, Alex, I wanted to put that out there, but I know that it's not necessarily something we need to comment on today. I think we need to let that sit with a lot of people. It's ongoing. So I want to ask you about the Kings specialty jerseys, those purple ones to lighten the mood. And I want to ask you to tell us about your experience with the stadium series in Colorado. So there's a little two-parter for you. All right. Well, first let's start with the, uh, the whole Kobe Bryant thing. Uh, yeah. I'm just like many in LA who are actually advised to watch on their couches because the whole scene down at LA live, let me tell you, I, I've never seen anything like that from an athlete in a city. I, I came back from Australia and I, my first game back, I was like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't working. It was an NBC Sports Network game, and I wasn't working that game. And I said, you know what? Let me just drive downtown. Let me just see what the scene is like. And I was overcome with emotion myself just, just watching that and watching the Lakers tribute. And I, I watched a bit of the memorial this morning. Um, it, it's, you know, the, the thing that maybe can be most relatable um, on a local scale to, uh, as a former New Yorker, was Thurman Munson. Um, way back in the day with sure. the New York Yankees. But, I, I'm, you know, when you struggle to think of a global icon like that, I, I really can't think of one. And one who was so deeply connected to a city, even though he wasn't an L.A. native, but he, he was regarded uh, as an Angelino. So just a really, really difficult day downtown. 
um, and uh, an emotion. I was watching uh, Jimmy Kimmel earlier today, uh, and the words that he had, they were very poignant. Um, as, as far as kind of our world and, and what I've gotten to do recently, uh, I was real thrilled to call the stadium series game. Uh, very different perspective. We got put up against the glass. Um, we had glass seats for the game, which also meant that we couldn't see half the ice because we were right next to the penalty box. Uh, so we had to rely on, on the monitor right next to us to see uh, kind of in the near corner uh, from us all the way to the right. Uh, but that was such a phenomenal experience. It's, it's kind of interesting that two players uh, who played a key role in that game, Tyler Toffoli and Alec Martinez, that was the last game they ever played for the franchise. Um, but, uh, yeah, just what a great experience. And you know what, guys, I think would be a great spot for the next stadium series game. I know they've announced Carolina. I would love to see a Rangers-Vegas Golden Knights game at West Point, Mikey Stadium. Can you imagine what a setting wow. that would be? For an outdoor game. Absolutely. I, I co-sign that. I endorse that 100%. Uh, really, to lighten the mood a little bit more uh, and kind of let Kobe settle in, because it, it is, there's a lot that a lot of people still have to consume, and then they will on social media, and a lot of feelings to be brought up with that. But those Purple Kings jerseys, um, let's just talk oh, about yeah. this. There's a lot of jersey fanatics out there. I, I mean, I know you were a big fan of the, of the green third alternate with the Comets. And you know what? The Crunch just, just did a pride night. And the jerseys for those were, as they say, fire. But those Purple Kings jerseys, it made me go Marcel Dion. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I, I think part of me would love to see the Kings in some form uh, reignite the the form blue and gold of the Lakers. I mean, the Kings and Lakers, have. we were talking about it last night on our program because it was the lakers theme night. Uh, at the L.A. Kings game. The Lakers actually had a reciprocal Kings Day mm -hmm. for their game earlier. It was a doubleheader at Staples Center. And, and we were saying to ourselves, you know, in some way, shape, or form, I understand the branding has changed and there's a lot that, that you can't, you know, go back to. But I think it would be cool to have the purple uh, or forum blue, if you want to call it, and gold as a regular feature in the Kings color palette because it is part of their history and there's no other team uh, that uses those colors. Black and white, um, it's, well, I'll say this, it's kind of limiting sometimes with your wardrobe and, and your color palette <laughs> that you can wear, but, um, but I'd love to see a little bit more of the throwback stuff. We had, we had our eighties jerseys uh, on and we're, we're going to wear them one more time of the Gretzky era jerseys. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see a little bit more of the purple and gold. Alex Faust calls games for the LA Kings. Uh, just your thoughts on this story about David Ayers, the 42 year old Zamboni driver for the Marlies, an emergency goalie gets called in. This is one of the biggest stories regarding hockey that I remember in some time. Uh, a feel-good story. He's on the Today Show this morning. They hook him up with his mom, who gave him a kidney transplant back in 2004. I mean, your thoughts on this amazing feel-good story. One great thing about the NHL is that you never know what's going to happen on any given night. I mean, that, that story would never happen in any other sport uh, and you can't buy that kind of publicity. Uh, like I know we were talking at the beginning of the day of, of having uh, Snoop uh, on our show and, uh, you know, the kind of fun that we had. But when you when it comes to a story like what we saw in Toronto with a guy, literally a former Zamboni driver, um, brought in 42 years of age to save the day for a professional hockey team. I mean, that's, that's Hollywood stuff. And uh, only in our league do you get that. And I, I'm so... I'm so happy it worked out for all parties involved, I guess with the exception of the May police who are <laughs> they're ready to burn everything down in Toronto right now. But uh but what a fun story and I'm thrilled for 
for that family because uh, it, it seems like it was just a total thrill. When it's on Good Morning America, you know it's a big deal exactly. pop culture-wise. Alex, thank you, as always, for the time. Uh, we'll reach out again real soon. You're always gracious enough to join us. Appreciate it, boys. Thanks, Ryan. Alex Faust, former Comets broadcaster and currently the play-by-play man for the Los Angeles Kings. Nice enough to join us on the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now at 96.5 FM. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. Coach Jerry McNamara joins us courtesy of Drivers Village and Empower Federal Credit Union every single Monday right around 3.30 here on ESPN Radio. And just overall, Jerry, you have to be feeling just so good about that win. Jim said it best, a tremendous tribute to those five guys. Take us inside the locker room for halftime when it was really, it was the guys that got it done themselves. Elijah walking around the room, everybody supporting each other. And then you get back out on the court and JG3, seemed, uh, Joe Girard seemed to just jumpstart everything. But take us from there. Well, we didn't have much We didn't have much positive in the first half. You know, when you think about what we shot from the field, the way we defended, you know, and then you're looking at 11-point deficit. I think the big thing is when you're in a situation like that is you have to look at things on the brighter side because they're not, you know, you, you could talk about so much negative. But, you know, I think our guys felt like, listen, we played as poor as we could play and we're still within 11 points. Uh, it's something that, you know, I said to Joe, I said, listen, man, you know, the way we shoot it in two possessions, you could change this game. You know, that's how, that's how you have to break it down and simplify things. And, you know, to their credit, they came out and responded in the second half. Joe hits the early three, and then next possession hits a little floater. And next thing you know, you're in a two-possession game. Uh, you know, we got it to one, and they responded on a 5-0 run, and I think they put the lead back to six, and we responded again. So, you know, our guys have fought all year. I think that was the hard thing to take from the Louisville game is, you know, I, I thought we fought. We just didn't fight. You know, uh, intelligently, we didn't we didn't have any positive things going for us. They operated so well, and we extended our defense, and they put it in the high post, and then in the short corner, we just didn't really ever make a push to make that you know that one quite a game. But we've done it all year. You know, when when, when we've been in situations where we've been given ten point deficits, our guys have, have continued to scratch the claw and make it a game, and. Uh, we were able to, I think the important thing with the other day was we were able to flip it quick. You know, we didn't go into the last five minutes still trying to change the game. We changed it in the first three in the second half. And, and, and you know, I turned to Red at one point and Griff during the start of the second half said, we're in dogfight now. Credit to our guys to come out the way they did respond in the first few minutes of the second half and make that thing a basketball game. Stubborn ability to never surrender was a great group of words put together that s- describes this team not just in the game the other day, but the, for the entire season scope. Yeah, I thought Barama Sibide in the second half, it was interesting how it, just his ability to not foul out until there's about two minutes left and he gets six points, grabs 10 rebounds, three steals. Coach talked about how big that was, what an important component of the win that was. I Expound on that a little bit. It was huge. I mean, if you go back to the, to the final play of the first half where Moses Wright scores, Baraba was in terrific defending legal position. Uh, right swept to his right, one dribble, and Baraba took contact right to his chest. And if you see our bench, we're screaming at him to take it. Uh, he was in perfect position to take an offensive foul. Uh, and then to start the second half, what does he do? He steps in front and takes a charge, and blocked multiple shots, grabbed multiple rebounds, got multiple putbacks. We feel like he could have actually even given us more in the second half. You know, he, he's capable of doing it. 
Uh, there was two offensive rebounds. I actually watched it again this morning. There was two offensive rebounds that he out, had an opportunity to get. Uh, so you're talking about a guy that could have went for 10, 12 points and, and the amount of rebound steals and, and deflections he got. So I think the big thing for us is you think about what we did in the second half of that game and how we shot, I think it was 60-some percent from the field. And You know, the, the great thing from our side of it was everybody contributed. Yes. You know, Barama played as well as, as he did in, in quite some time, and we think he could be better. Uh, Marek really, we felt, kind of closed the game. We went to him and operated and let him isolate from 17 feet. Uh, Joe got us started, and then Buddy and Elijah controlled the middle part of that second half. So everybody played a role. Everybody contributed and played well. And, and when we do that, we're obviously a completely different team and certainly showed in the second half of that game. Georgia Tech's been playing really well. It's a good team. Uh, and they really have the components to beat our zone. With Obviously, Moses Wright was terrific, and he goes 14 for 17. You know, but we did a really good job. We never kind of let El Dorado get going. We never let DeVoe really get going. Banks, we kept him occupied, and he picked up some foul trouble, and he's a load. Parham can shoot it. So we kind of, you know, for the most part, other than Moses Wright going off, we did a pretty good job on the other components they have. And Big-time team effort, you know. Everybody contributed when it mattered most. I don't think there's a lot of teams that this team can't, beat when Marek plays the way that he does, doing a little bit of everything. First of all, hitting his free throws, 12 out of 12. You'll take that every single game. Jerry McNamara here with us on the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio from Drivers Village and Empower Federal Credit Union. But then I also looked at Buddy, not doing it from the three-point line, but something he's done in the past, he's gone into the lane. He's making those mid-range shots. He's taking advantage of a matchup, Jerry. Uh, Seemed like a key, as you said, when he got it going in the second half of the second half. Yeah, huge. I mean, Buddy's huge for us. When he's scoring, it takes us to a different level. When Marek's scoring, it takes us to a different level. And to go back to your original statement, I don't think there's a team we can't beat when we play the way we did in the second half. For sure. When, when everybody contributes. Um, when we're complete, we're, we're as competitive as anybody. So, you know, Bud has done a good job. You know, he's, he's really expanded his game. He's worked hard. You know, when no one's looking, when when it's the off season, you know, during the season he comes in and gets his work in. He's always trying to piggyback, improve his body, and kind of you know add pieces. You know, he's worked on the turnaround jump shot. Uh, we've worked on angles, being able to create a new one off of aggression. We've gone up the bounce quite a bit because we knew how he was going to be defended. And at six six, you know, there's going to be some favorable options for him when he gets into twelve to seventeen feet, when he could be able to back people down and shoot over the top. When you have the personnel we have. When you have guys off the ball like Elijah Hughes and Joe Girardi who are capable of shooting and vice versa, if those guys are going off and you have Buddy Beheim, it's giving them some room to operate. So we've worked hard on that area where we can get in there. And You know, I don't believe in that, uh, you know, the mid-range shot is dead. I don't believe in that. Uh, I believe in you, you got to take high-quality shots. And any way you can – any which way you could score a basket, we're going to try to take advantage of it. And we've done that. Buddy's done a really good job of that. Joe's added to his floater game. Elijah, we saw him when he got in the paint in the second half, had the little eight-foot floater off the glass. So there's certain areas with the way we're being defended that we can capitalize and, and utilize. And, you know, when those guys get going, and Buddy in particular, when he's going heavy and, and he's shooting the ball and he's scoring, it's it, it can come in a flurry. He's, he's, uh, he's really improved. There's no doubt about it. Jerry, there's been an unprecedented amount of number ones this year. You look at the overall state of college basketball, but then just look within the ACC, and you know, everybody gets down on this team at different points this year, but 
I've said it to you before, and you know this about me. I'm a homer, and I always believe in, in the process, and the glass is half full, you know, and I bleed the orange, yeah. and I drink the orange Kool-Aid, and I think the ACC's wide open this year. It's it's not, there's not, it's not top-heavy as in, you know, some years past, and I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I think that you can see the path. I kind of asked you that last week, but I want to ask you that again. Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm never down and out. I mean, it's right in front of us a little bit. The thing I don't agree with the most out of what the narrative has been created is that the league is really down. I just don't believe it. You know, I've, I've watched other leagues play, and the teams in our league are capable. I mean, you look at what Clemson's capable of doing. You look at what Georgia Tech, the team where we just beat, is capable of doing. Yeah. I think there's one or two teams in there that, you know, you can make the argument for as it's down. But I've looked around college basketball, and I've watched these games. I I just don't agree with the narrative. Um, you know, I, I know where we're sitting. I know what's in front of us, and and I've been a part of it. You know, I've told our guys that. Yes, so yes. Listen, man, I've, I've I've been a part of teams that have been in similar situations. I've coached teams that have been in situations like this. I've played on teams that have been in situations like this, and things can change quickly, and teams can change very very quickly. I've you know I thought the 2013 season to me as a coach is one of the most rewarding years of my life going into the Big East tournament. I think we lost four of our last five going in, and next thing you know, coach makes an adjustment of what we were doing offensively, and we just exploded. Yeah, I remember. Um, end up making you know the championship game, lose to Louisville, and end up making the Final Four with Louisville. So it, it's such a learning experience, and every year is different, but memories like that to me, learning experiences are what I carry forward and what you can teach the next guys that you're, that you're coaching. That Listen, we've been here before. This is something that I've gone through. Uh, you can't hang your head. It's about the next game. And, you know, I know it's in front of us. we got four here left and three on the road, which we've played well on the road. And uh, two of those teams, teams that we've played already. And, and you never know what can happen. You, who knows? You win those four, you're sitting at 12 and eight, and you're sitting at 19 wins, and you go to the ACC, and, hey, let's see what happens. So I don't count guys out, especially teams that, that are willing to fight. And our guys have certainly been in that mold. We've, we've fought all year. So, you know, I, I expect nothing less. These guys are going to turn around and fight for it. Absolutely, Jerry. G-Mac, Jerry McNamara with us here on the SportsZilla Show ESPN Radio, courtesy of Drivers Village and Empower Federal Credit Union. I want to take you back to a guy you used to play basketball with by the name of Carmelo Anthony. I don't know if you saw the um, guy Carmelo, I think. I I think he's still playing. For some reason, he wasn't in the league for about 14 months, which boggles my mind. Uh, He schooled Zion the other day. I don't know if you happen to see that highlight with with little jabs. It was ridiculous. And then, of course, he turns around and drops 32. Just tell these people that doubt Mello how wrong they are, please. I think he's uh, proven that point. Yeah. Um, for an entire season, I was the one sitting behind saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. But now it's just great to see him be where he loves to be and do what he loves doing and do it at a high level. I think when you see him and you see his footwork, you know, young guys, young players should try to emulate what he's capable of doing with how he moves his feet and how he's able to move people and jab at them and create space to to either set up a shot or set up a straight line angle drive to use his body. We saw what he did to Zion. He opened him up, ball faked, opened him up again, created a wide open shot. His footwork is terrific. And, you know, then I, I think it was last night, gets the little short 17-footer off the slip from McCollum and hits the game winning. Yes, he did. You know, to put to put that game back to four points, I think it was a two-point game. That's right. Yeah, I'm just happy for him. You know, I talked to him this summer and then had a chance to sit with him for for. Quite a long time when he came up this year, um, 
and it was shortly after that that Portland had picked him up. So I, I, I'm just happy for him. He told me he was ready. Uh, he certainly proved that. And listen, at the end of the day, I felt like the guy was kept out of the league for whatever narrative that had been created. He wasn't this or he wasn't that. Let's let's appreciate greatness when we see it. The guy's been terrific. He's a Hall of Famer. You know, when you have that skill set, I don't care if you lose a step or two because of father time. When you have a skill set of that. You know, you could play for a very, very long time at a high level, and he's certainly proved his point. Yeah, and he's not done. He's got a couple more in him for sure. I totally believe that. Real quick, last thing, condolences to part of the Q's family. Eric Dungy lost his father, to, and I just was wondering if you wanted to comment for everybody, or would. Yeah, you know, my my wife and I talked about this last night. She was actually in tears reading the article. And, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a tough situation. It's a de- disease that we've obviously been affected by. Everybody has. It's unfortunate, you know, Eric Dungey's one of the toughest cats to ever come through this university. And Anybody that watched him play football appreciated how he approached every game with just absolute fearlessness, you know, the, the toughness that you try to instill in your own children. And listening to his quotes about how this is the man that he looked up to and, and you know, made him the man he is today. It's, yeah. you know, that's how I feel about my own dad. And, uh, he was my hero growing up, and I'm sure Eric's was his father. So it's, you know, our condolences go out to him, the Dungy family, and you know, obviously it's a loss for our, our Syracuse community and someone that we care deeply about. So uh, it's a tough situation when you lose a, a parent, especially one that's played such a major role in your life. Jerry, thank you for sharing your words on that and always appreciate the time every single Monday. Have a great rest of your day, okay? You too. Thank you, guys. It's the one and only Jerry McNamara. Nice enough to join us every Monday right here on the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio. It's the SportsZilla Show with Rain, Scoop, and Matt. 5 to 6, only on ESPN Radio Utica, Rome. Now on 96.5 FM. The SportsZilla Show is now streaming on the ESPN app. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. Did, uh... Did Tyson Fury lick blood off Deontay Wilder's neck during that fight? That's the that's a meme that's going around, and it sort of looks like it. I don't know if that was what really happened, though. See, I was seeing that people were saying that he was impersonating Shakira. It's it's <laughs> it was the, 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 the thing <laughs> yeah. there in the Super Bowl. That thing. Give me some. Uh, Fury looks like if he lands a good. Here, punch, hang on, let me, let me see. Fury looks like if he lands a good punch, Deontay will go down. He definitely he, doesn't look. What was he just feet. doing with his tongue right there? He said in the lead up, I want to taste blood. I believe that's what he was just doing there at the end of six, tasting Wilder's blood. That was outrageous. Everybody knows there's, uh, <laughs> well, that's disgusting. But anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to taste your own blood. You know what I mean? But there's now the... Uh, there's the third fight. There's the trilogy. Let's let's see what happens Did here. Did you see... This is a rematch of the rematch. Wilder's, um, I wouldn't say excuse, but his reasoning for losing. The 45-pound thing that he wore there to yeah. the ring, tired him out or something? So you no, look, brother. So you look like a fool, and then you box like a fool, and now you're talking like a fool. He just, a big man, wore him down. He was undefeated up until that point. But <laughs> Scope and I were talking about this earlier, glue guy. You, you get hit by a guy that's 275, six foot seven. It's going to hurt. For seven rounds. I mean, that's 21 minutes. If I stood here and let a six foot seven guy beat the crap out of me, for, I wouldn't last that long. I wouldn't I, last 21 seconds. That's what I'm saying. I'm toast. And, and I'm pretty good at running, though. Everybody's. 
<laughs> Are you that good at running, though? <laughs> if that dude's chasing me, I'm going to be as best of, as I have ever been at running. I am the fastest man on earth if that's the case. Would you you, you want to step to me? No, I would like to go that direction and you stay right here. I would step right away from you. Thank you very much. So is there going to be a third fight, though? A Joe Tessitore, Syracuse alum, the voice of Monday Night Football, boxing analyst, play-by-play, whatever you want to call it, he... You heard his voice already. Wilder shouldn't do it, but I believe Wilder will do it. And the division has always been defined by great rivalries. The history of the division going back 100-plus years is always defined by rivalries. The money is built to have a trilogy. I mean, mega, mega money. This thing was huge. Look, if you lose and you get paid still, no harm, no foul. I mean, there's been some fights over the years. Granted, boxing is not nearly as popular as it was, but we're all talking about a heavyweight boxing match here. But the fact remains, there's been a lot of fights that you paid a lot of money for. Mayweather Pacquiao. Yeah, and you were let down. And those guys, I mean, look at the money they made, and that fight was garbage. It was not good. And the hype leading up to it was just, just, they made it sound like it was going to be the greatest thing ever, and it was atrocious to watch. There were, overall, it was, it was a good fight. I I mean, I don't, I don't think people were complaining a lot online, not as much as I expected. Oh, that fight was trash, waste of money for the pay-per-view, it's like 80 bucks for the pay-per-view, but they, they, a lot of people were saying it should have ended a little bit sooner. Another discussion that Scoop and I were having a little earlier today that you weren't in on, Glue Guy. But they might maybe called around the fifth round might have been a little bit more appropriate because, as we said, he got beat down. I want to remind you as well, a lot of people were suggesting that if if you got a serious ab workout, you don't have to bother because everyone's joking that Tyson is uh, he's a little thick in the middle. He is. Made me feel good about my dad bod. (laughs) I mean, if that guy could be the champion of the world, right? He could do anything. He's six, seven. Yeah, I know. I know. Like what kind of what kind of fantasy land are you going with that, dude? Right? I can't fight my way out of a brown paper bag. Are you bag. kidding me? That yeah. dude, like, <laughs> he can eat all the sandwiches he wants to. He, I think he worked off about eight sandwiches in that fight, probably. What are you doing? Heading to the gym? No, the refrigerator. I'm getting ready for my fight. This, I'm gonna beat it up. <laughs> Joe Tessitore <laughs> said that Wilder's corner made the right choice when they did to end the fight. There is no issue with that stoppage at all. Mark Breland absolutely did the right thing. Still, listen, it is very different, and I hope it came across okay for the fan watching on TV, but when you are seated up against that ring apron, you are seeing, hearing, sensing the damage far differently than when you're watching on TV. That was an absolute mauling, not, not in a boxing kind of way. That was the kind of mauling like a ballroom brawl movie scene where guys are laid out afterwards. So there you go. They made the right call. Boxing, man, something fun to talk about sports-related. You don't do that every day. The Sports Show, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, not 96.5 FM. However, there was a fantastic thing that happened with David Ayers. I want to talk about it again because coming up at 6 o'clock, we have the Trent Cole Show, and apparently Culler knows him, we, we discussed I, this. I guess he uh, maybe goaltended a Toronto practice with Syracuse or something, it sounds like. Yeah, he was talking about it in the office earlier, and I have to assume Joe Roberts and, and Culler at 6 o'clock are, are going to discuss this. I mean, it was... And boy, lots of Comets news today. Yeah, it was Good Morning America. We've got Insider with Stefan LeBlanc. That's coming up. The 72 Tavern Scoop and myself hosting that. Zane McIntyre is no longer Comet. 
Uh, there was a transaction with Zach McEwen that we'll get to. It's the trade deadline, man. Three o'clock today is when it passed, and there's still residuals, moving parts. We said it all along for weeks now that, hey, it always affects and can affect the Utica Comets. But I did, I just wanted to share the the thoughts of David Ayers about where he was in his head after giving up two goals. After the, the second goal, I just looked up the, at the clock and the screen, and I watched the goal go in on the replay, and I, I thought, come on, man, make a save. Like <laughs> You can't be out here and let everything in, right? So uh, a couple of guys came up to me and told me just to chill out and relax and have fun with it and enjoy it. Uh, so I did, and then uh, ended up going second period. They all talked to me again in the dressing room, and they said, let's, uh, let's go, and uh, we'll have fun out here. So... We did, and uh, shut it down in the third period. He has been on media absolutely everywhere. They're selling his jerseys now, things like that. I mean, it's just a fantastic story, Scoop. I loved his wife on Twitter. Best thing ever. Swearing? uh, Yeah, after that goal (laughs) that you just mentioned. And then he ended up getting a win against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It sucks to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now at 96.5 FM. See you tomorrow at 5.